So we're in week four. It's super exciting because we're talking about uh, this conversation of, hello, my name is God. And the point and the objective of this sermon series is to help not just reintroduce you to God, but to, re to introduce you to his character. Can somebody say character? It's very easy to work with people from nine to five and think that you know them. But how many of you guys ever went to the office work party and you realize Karen is not Karen when she's at the house? I don't, this man, Ricky, is very calm, cool, and collected, but when certain things get added to this man's system, he becomes a different person. So if we're supposed to be called to the faith of Christianity, that's, that's, that's what the umbrella is. The kingdom are the principles that we live by. I want to make it very, very simple because we, we talk about it all the time. We're kingdom, we're kingdom, we're a kingdom church, we're a kingdom church, we're a kingdom church. Yes, we're a kingdom church, but the kingdom only works when you apply its principles. So everything that we teach from Sunday to Sunday isn't just something to make you feel good, get goosebumps, and go back home to devastating life. The point of why we teach these principles is so that how you feel here, you can feel everywhere. God doesn't change his character from where he goes. His thought process doesn't change from where he goes. And if we're made like God, that means that we should be the same in the light, in the dark, in public, and in private. So is it cool that we jump into the word? Is that all right? Today, I would like to simplify and make practical a foundational kingdom concept. Very, very simple. Somebody say, talk to God. Jonah 1, 1 and 2 says this, and this is going to be like the, the, the anchor. How many of you guys know the story of Jonah? Okay, that's okay. We're going to talk about it from a different point of view if you've heard it. And if you've heard it for the first time, I hope that God gives you a little bit of clarity this morning. Amen. Jonah 1, 1 through 2. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah. Can you say that with me? The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and do what? Go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now, when people come to the faith for the first time, we can really misinterpret God's character. Have you ever read the book of Judges? You ever read the book of Deuteronomy? God forbid you started in Revelations. If you start in the wrong book without knowing God's character, you'll think, this man going to kill us. Fire, brimstone. Like, what is this white horse? What's the, what's, what's the, like, what's going on? So if we don't know who God is and we're introduced to the wrong side of him first, we can misconceive who he is. It's kind of like when your kids' friends meet you when you're disciplining them. Man, your daddy mean. I, I want to spend the night, but I don't want to spend the night anymore. No, it's because they've only seen one facet of your parenting, which is discipline. But there are many different facets to who God is. He is a, he is, he's a disciplinarian. He's a good father, right? Any good father is going to make sure that they get taken care of. Amen. But he's also loving. He's also peaceful. He's also judge. So if we want to understand who God is, we have to look at every single facet. Can you say facet? Pastor Martin wrote a book called The Brilliant Church. And the most amazing thing about this book is that he uses the practical part of a diamond. When you look at a diamond and from every single angle, you see something different. From every angle, the light that comes into it, it's, it's retracted in different ways, and God is the same. But we as a people in this faith called Christianity or the kingdom or church, we only look at God from the facet that we like. I like God through grace, so I'm going to look through here. I like God through his blessing, so I'm going to look through here. But very rarely do we put it upon ourselves to look through God through discipline or to look through God through king or to look through God through he reigns, because we love taking control of our own lives. You're sitting here in the room right now writing an email or a, or a note in your head of how you're going to make moves next week. 
somewhere along the line, we forgot to start talking to God before we move. And we only talk to God when we need something after we've moved. But when you look at the word of God, it's very, very simple. God has never stopped speaking. He's always talking. But we don't know the facet of his voice that tries to direct us. We listen to God when he wants to say there's a blessing in the room. Glory, it's coming. We listen to God's voice when we start talking about this prosperity gospel, a house and money. Awesome. But then when the voice of God asks you to give the car away, yeah, I don't know if that's the Lord. I don't know. That, that couldn't be God. That, that, that couldn't be God. But I want you to write this down. God is confused. God doesn't say things that he doesn't mean. God doesn't double back. God doesn't have spiritual whiteout that he writes out stuff that he didn't mean to say. Everything that he has told you to do, he meant it. And this is the worst sin of them all. It's not being addicted. It's not drugs. It's not alcohol. The biggest sin that you could ever commit is unfulfilling purpose. That's the worst thing you could ever do. God, and I'm not trying to say that God doesn't care about alcohol or pornography. Like, those are things that you need to deal with in your spirit. But it's what those things keep you away from that God hates. Okay. God really doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter to God that you're prideful. But if your pride has now deterred you from the purpose that he told you about, now you're sinning. So it's really great because we think that we're gracious and we think that we pray, but we're only praying to ask things from God, like material things. But prayer's original purpose wasn't to ask God for anything. Prayer's original purpose was to inquire of God what move he wanted us to make. And somewhere in the timeline, once you get, once you get married into this relationship with Christ, you're, 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 you know, you're on top of it, right? You're Jesus free. You go to a, a vacation Bible school and you come home, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. 10, 15 years down the road, we start telling God and trying to manipulate him through our prayers. God, you said in your will that if, if it's supposed to happen, it's supposed to work. And God's like, my word has never changed. Neither does my purpose. So today through the word of God, I'd like to establish the importance of talking to God. That's all prayer is. We talk about prayer and people get ooky spooky because they think that they have to like sound like a new King James version and thus this and vows. No, talking to God is literally talking to God. Can you say talking to God is literally just talking to him. Jonah's name is really interesting. When we look at the Hebrew definition of his name, his name means dove. Now, right now, do you guys know what birds are doing? Birds are doing what? They're flying south. They're going somewhere different because they know it's fixing to get cold. It's already cold to somebody's, uh, to somebody's temperature. Anybody's knees start hurting randomly. You wake up and you creak and you're like, what is happening? It's cold. It's cold. But birds have this really interesting character, characteristic trait. Have you guys ever heard of fight or flight? Okay. The concept comes from birds, natural instinct to see something coming from a mile away and run away from it. So it's interesting that when we talk about the book of Jonah, and we talk about Jonah, everybody is surprised that he, run, he runs away from what God tells him to do. But it was in his DNA. The minute that God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, what does he do? He dips out and goes in the opposite direction. But God was very pointed. He was very directed. He gave him what to say. He told him what to do. Sounds a lot like our lives. God gives us purpose, and it scares us. God gives us a dream, and it scares us. And for some of us, we will spend our entire lives running in the opposite direction of what God told us to do. But this is the thing. Can you say, this is the thing? Your whole existence is to fulfill the purpose that God gave you, even when it's scary. Even when you don't know where the resources are going to come from. Is there anybody in the room, the purpose that God has given you, it's weighty. There's a lot of pieces to it. 
It's terrifying. You, sat, you have some sleepless nights. You have, you have some tears that you cry by yourself. You're, you can almost become, anybody ever been afraid to share with somebody else what God said? I want to bring context to that this morning, amen? There are three objectives for today's sermon. Number one is to help you understand that God has never stopped speaking to you. Number two objective is how we can better posture ourselves to hear from God. The third thing is how we can differentiate his voice from all others. Have you ever heard of, how many mothers do we have in the room with multiple kids? You can tell the difference of cries based off of what? You, you feel it in your gut. Wham, he hungry. Wham, he tired. And depending on how the person cries, little person, you know, little people, somebody said little people, the little, the little, little nuggets, little people. Depending on how they, how they cry to you, you can interpret what they're saying. Right? Okay. Another term. How many of you have ever had somebody in your family that likes to talk to you but walk from one room to the next? How frustrating and annoying is it? As you're speaking, they're like this. Yeah, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. And then they come back in the room. They come back in the room and they, did, they, they didn't stop their sentence. Yeah, I'm going to go around the corner and then I'll come in. And then I need you to be there for seven, by 7 o'clock. Did you hear me? And you're like, uh-huh. And that's the equivalent of what God does. We start our prayers in his presence. We become sidetracked and we keep talking. Then we come back to God and we're like, okay, God, so can you make it happen? And God is confused because we took our prayer life out of his presence and looked for him to provide something outside of his container. Prayer is impossible outside of God's presence. You don't pray to Jesus. You pray to God through Jesus. So God is, Jesus is not this Postmates God. He doesn't hand deliver your prayer. God, like you don't pray, sweet Lord, sweet baby Jesus. I don't know why he's always a baby. That's Ricky Bobby. For those of you that don't know, Talladega Nights, all right. Shake and bake, okay. Shake and bake. <laughs> you don't pray to Jesus. Jesus takes the message and he takes it back to him. When Jesus died, he gave you God's address. He gave you stamps to get what you want to say to him. But the mail to God doesn't just work one way. You don't just send stuff to God. How many of you guys know that God sends some stuff to you? And sometimes the mail that God sends, just because you didn't open it, doesn't mean that it wasn't said. It's like not opening bills that you know you need to pay and saying, well, I, I didn't open it, therefore I don't got to pay for it. No, you still owe so that means that just because you haven't touched your purpose in two, five, six months, 10, 7, eight, 18 years, it doesn't mean that God isn't willing to fulfill what he said. We just have to grow in this thing called grace. Amen? Amen. Three different objectives to help you understand that God is always talking, how we can better posture ourselves, and then how we can differentiate his voice from all others. What if we changed our perspective of communication with God? What if our prayer life to God wasn't so much about asking him to fulfill certain needs, but we actually started to fulfill how he told us how to pray? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So what does belief look like? Belief looks like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And what? As we, for thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Jesus told us exactly how to pray to God, but then we copy and paste and delete certain things that we don't like in the message. Then question why God doesn't answer. 
It's because we're not praying to him the way that he told us to talk to him. It's kind of like when your child calls you out of your name. I didn't know my mama's name was Linnell until I was 28. Kidding. But there's a reason why they tell you what to call them so that it creates order. The lowest form of your communication with God is asking him for things. God's purpose is already finished for us. We just need to gain the skill to tap into what God is already doing and what he's already done. That's what prayer is. The reason why you have to have a prayer life, the reason why prayer is almost more important than worship, is it's because it's your direct line to talk to a God that built your life. Prayer is not built for you to take it to someone else to take to God. I don't know the purpose for your life. I don't know what God told you. I don't know what's going on in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, take it to God for yourself. Point number one, let's go to it. God has never stopped talking. Somebody say, God has never stopped talking. The issue is that we don't recognize the many forms of his communication. And when he speaks, we're unaware that he's talking. There are multiple different ways that God talks to us. And it's so interesting because when we, this is, I'm, I'm, is it okay that we go to Bible basics? Is it all right that I teach you this morning? Multiple times in the Bible we say, why isn't God speaking in the way that he used to? But if we say that question, it goes contradictory to who he is. Because God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. So that means if God was speaking a certain way to the prophets of the Bible, he's still doing the same thing. But God is so good that he doesn't just want you just to hear his verbal voice for you to hear from him. He's taking his voice and he's put it through all these different communication chains. Amen? Like, how many of you are business owners or parents? You don't just call your kids. If you, don't, if you call them and they don't answer, what do you do? You text them. If you text them and they don't reply, what do you do? I don't know if you email your kids. That's kind of weird. But you might email them. And if all else fails, what do you do as a parent? You walk your behind to their room, kick down the door because parents don't knock. Well, mine didn't. Kick down the door and say, what? Hey, boy, I've been trying to get a hold of you. So if God is not talking to you in one of the forms that he's communicating, there are so many other ways for you to be able to hear from him. But when we become lazy, we'll start putting God's name on things that we're prophesying. Oh, am I in your lap? Am I reading your mail? Well, God said, but it doesn't sound like him. So because we don't know God and we haven't been introduced to what his voice sounds like, and we don't know what he's saying, we can start to put God's stamp of approval on things that he never told us. So there are a couple of ways that God speaks, and I want you to write them down. God speaks primarily through his word, the Bible. You cannot be a part of this kingdom walk and you never crack open the book. It's not possible. It, 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 it's, not, it's, it's like trying to lose 25 pounds, but you're eating 1,000 calories over what you're supposed to be eating, and you're frustrated. Well, I work out hard, but you can't work out a bad diet. The same way, you can't outgrace God's words. You can't ask God for grace when he gave you the ABCs and 123s in the book. Scripture is always the voice of God in the general sense that God inspired every word that comes from Scripture. Sometimes when you open up the book, you can draw a particular passage to your attention because the word of God is somebody say living and it's active. But if you never open it, it won't talk to you. The Bible works when you open up its mouth and it speaks to you. Amen. The old folks where we come from say closed mouths don't get fed. So if you're hungry, you better say something. In the same way, if you're asking through prayer and you don't get something from God, sometimes he's not responding because he doesn't want you to hear him. Sometimes he's not responding because he says, I already said it in my word. Multiple times. The Bible is the same story over and over and over and over again. What the enemy tries to do is he tries to make us believe that what's in here is too old to apply to our lives. And he's winning because we become lazy. 
I'm going to get a new word every week. But look at your neighbor and say, the word is fresh every day. The next way that God talks, if one is through his word, the next that he talks is through our thoughts, our dreams, and our visions. Every time we get a thought, we need to judge it and ask if it's from God. Then we have to ask, does this align with scripture? You see how it's interesting? The Bible is the root. But once you start hearing things, you're, you think easily 10,000 thoughts every day. And you make decisions on a lot. You make a lot of, you, I'm sorry, you make a lot of decisions uh, with your body that you don't even like think about. Like every breath that you take is a decision that your body is making. But sometimes when you hear something from your thoughts, you have to take it back to God. That's depression. That's anxiety. That's frustration. How many of you guys have ever felt confused before? Sometimes the cure to your confusion isn't a nap. It's taking it back to God. God, like, I'm confused. Why is this? And he will remind you through his word of who he is. Amos 4.13 says that God makes known his ways to us through our thoughts. So if we understand that our mind is just like God, when you think something and it doesn't sound like God, guess what? You have permission to strike it down. The next way that God talks to us is, some, can somebody say, through others? Now, this is the one that's really weird. Because in a lot of nominations, people will say that they're prophets, and it's just prophesying, not prophesying. The Lord told me. But I talked to him this morning. The reason why you need to stay prayed up is so that when people come to you with a word from God, you can check it against what he told you in your prayer closet. Can we be honest? Well, the Lord told me that he's not the right one for you, or she's not the right one for you. But my tribe is behind me. My parents are behind us. I love him. God told me this is right. We're not sleeping together. We're in separate places. Like, so what is what you're saying the manifestation of God's glory, or is it really just poison? I don't know what it is about people, but we can't stand seeing other people happy. So if we can't get happy, we try to use God as the stamp to get other people unhappy. But if you know who God is, it's quicker for you to cast down any thought that comes from somebody that's adverse to God. Is this all right? Talks through his word, talks through our thoughts and others. God also talks through angelic visitation. Angels are real. And I'm not talking about angels in the outfield. Well, I'm really aging myself a little bit. Great movie, though. Great movie. But God sometimes sends something to talk to you. That's an extension of himself. There are three different types of angels that we see in the Bible. There are ministering angels. There are guardian angels. There are warring angels. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who inherit salvation. Sometimes God sends something to you to give you a, a, a message. You ever been driving and you thought that it was the autocorrect in your car that, that saved you? That's probably an angel that God named before you were here on earth. So if we don't know God's voice, we can reduce the grace of God and the miracles of God to coincidence. We can look at the things that happen in our lives and be like, whew, man, that was a close one. And we can diminish the power of God to be able to communicate through, to us through what happens to us. But if God doesn't, if, if you don't hear from him in the, in the Bible, if we don't hear him through our thoughts, our dreams, and our visions, if we don't hear him through other people, if we don't hear him through angelic uh, visitation, if we don't hear him through his own voice, God's last resort to talk to us is through our circumstances. God says, you didn't listen to my voice. You didn't listen to the people that I sent you. You didn't listen to the thoughts and the dreams and the visions that I, have you, that I gave you. So I guess I just got to allow what I was trying to protect you from to happen to you so that you can hear me. God doesn't bring bad things on people, but he allows them. Remember what I was talking about earlier today about the covering? 
God covers bad things from you. But when we are outside of his will, he does what? He takes his covering away, and the stuff that he was protecting us from now has access to us. And that's what happens to Jonah. God spoke to Jonah first with his voice, but Jonah didn't heed God's voice. So God spoke to Jonah through, can somebody say, circumstances. These are the two questions that I want you to ask yourself, and you're probably already asking yourself these questions every day. But I know for me, in this point in time of my life, I'm asking these two questions every second of every day. Everything that I hear, that I'm thinking, when I take a nap. Like, how many of you guys are in a point in your life in transition? Like, it just seems like everything is shaky. You don't know where the foundation is. These are the two questions that I'm asking God. Number one is, God, what's happening in my life right now that you're trying to tell me? The reason why all of this has happened, if if you're a good father, if you're gracious, if you're merciful, and you said that you'd never leave me nor forsake me, if I feel left and forsaken, this circumstance that I'm in, you got to be using this to talk to me. So somebody say, what are you saying? The second question that I ask is, God, what, 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 is the, what are you telling me through what I'm in the middle of? God speaks to us through what happens around us, to us, and through us. So let's go to John 1, 1. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah son of Amittai, he says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it, because it has, uh, I'm sorry, because I have seen how wicked its people are. This is the funniest thing about Jonah. He doesn't just trust, uh, I'm sorry, this is the funny thing about God. God doesn't just trust you to believe what he said. He trusts you to fulfill what he said. Point number two is this, God trusts you with what he tells you. When God told you that you were going to be the first millionaire in your family, it wasn't just so that you could have money. There are certain things that that million dollars is supposed to take care of in your family, but God is trusting the million through you. But if we get excited about the money and the bread and we buy a whole bunch of stuff and then our family is still struggling, we are incorrect to go to God and say that he's not gracious because he gave us the resource. 99% of all the world's problems are a resource management issue. Either we're trying to keep stuff away from people and tell them there's not enough, or too much people have too much of things that should be redistributed. And the problem with redistribution is that this is how God works. When God gives you an assignment, it has your DNA in it, and he can't give it to someone else. So when you do not fulfill purpose, the plan that God had in the earth, if you die with it, nobody else is going to pick it up. I want to make sure you understand how important this kingdom thing is. If God told you that you were going to be the first one to destroy and eradicate addiction in your family, that means that he's actually believing that you can do it. Maybe this is too simple. When God told you that you were going to be the first person in your family to get married and not get divorced, he actually believes it. God doesn't give us things that he thinks is suggestive. So when he talks to Jonah and he tells him to go to Nineveh, he's telling him everything that you think about Nineveh, I don't care about it, I'm God. In your life, when God tells you what to do, he doesn't care that you don't have any money. He doesn't care that you think you're too short or that your skin's too dark or that you're the wrong shade of color or that you're the wrong culture. God, God doesn't care about any of that. What God, only, the only thing that God cares about is that I told you. And if I told you, I'm already standing at the end of the thing done. You just haven't started yet. So this concept of, am I all right? I feel like I'm working really hard. So this concept of waiting on God is a misnomer. God has never waited on anybody. God is waiting on you. So God tells Jonah that you're going to go to Nineveh. Now, 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 Jonah, remember, we talked about the word dove. Jonah's name means dove. So once God says go to Nineveh, Jonah runs away, and it's justified. 
When we run away from purpose, when we run away from things that are big, look at your neighbor and say, it's justified. It's scary, right? It's, it's, it's terrifying, right? Like this concept of doing what God told you, like it, it's scary. It's not always, you know, um, um, uh, 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 unicorns and, and, and uh, uh, what else is, 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 is amazing? Leprechauns and what, cotton candy. It's, it's not always that way. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's like, hey, Abraham, I'm going to send you to a land that I'm going to show you. So which way do I go? I'm going to show you. So that, that's cool. I know you're going to show me. But, like, which direction do I go? Just start walking. What do I take with me? Just, 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 just walk. So Jonah hears from God, but it's justified because Nineveh at this time, they are killing Christians. Like, they're, ki- they're killing prophets. Like, they're hanging them by their toes in tar and putting feathers on them. Like, they're, they're putting them in between two horses, hitting both of the horses and ripping them apart. Like, they're sacrificing babies. They're drinking their blood. Like, so when Jonah hears from God, hey, you're going to Nineveh, he is right to think, hey, what? This, you, you really trying to kill me? But sometimes the way in which God speaks to you is sending you into situations that you don't have what it takes to fix. Sometimes the way that God proves how mighty he is is sending you into situations that you couldn't even prepare yourself for just to prove that he's God. I'm going to help you fix your family, and I'm going to do it through you. God, my family's crazy. And God's like, yeah, I know. That's why you're going to have to have conversation with me to get it done. I want you to write this down. Purpose is impossible without prayer to God. It is impossible to fulfill. It's, we hear a word from God and we try to go and get all of like our number two pencils and we try to get the paper and we're like, all right, God, I'm ready to go. And God hasn't even given us any instructions. God says, I don't want you to use a pencil. I want you to use a ballpoint pen. And we can become so resourced to fulfill what God has for us without using his resources. Everything God has ever said to you has come with a measure of responsibility. So now that Jonah hears from God and he's supposed to go to Nineveh, Jonah runs away, but he, but he doesn't leave his responsibility. How many of you guys know that when God tells you to do something, if you run away from it, you don't leave the responsibility with him? <laughs> it's like when I used to hate taking out the trash. Just because I didn't take out the trash doesn't mean that the responsibility stayed with the trash. Why didn't you take out the trash? I don't know. I just didn't do it. It's not my responsibility. No, no, no. Even if you don't answer the call of God, look at your neighbor and say, you are still responsible. God has no other options when it comes to fulfilling your purpose. You're the only option. Let's go to verse number three. But Jonah got up. Somebody say the opposite. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord, which is really interesting because he's omnipotent. He's omnipresent, which means that he's everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. And he doesn't exist, which means that like he's, he's everything in all places. So when we try to run away from God, it's interesting because we really think that we can. I'm going to run east on a planet that's spherical. So if you keep running in that same direction, you're going to come right back to the same. Like, we can't go anywhere. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to do what? to escape from the Lord by sailing uh, to Tarshish. I want you to write this down. There will always be an alternative to God's assignment. God allows a storm to, to, to come to where, no, to, to where Jonah is because of his disobedience. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, God doesn't send bad things on good people. He doesn't. But sometimes he has to use chaos in our lives to talk to us. And the church said amen. Jonah nominates himself 
out of God's grace. The sailors freak out, and they begin crying out to their gods. They start talking to their gods, and guess what? It doesn't work. So then they start throwing stuff off board to lighten the ship. And this is our lives. Instead of talking to God, we start cutting off relationships. Instead of talking to God, we sell the car. Instead of talking to God, I just need, I'm, girl, I'm so tormented. I just need more sleep. No, that's God. And God wants to make sure that before we start trying to throw stuff off of our ship, when the storm comes, let's talk to the storm. Because what if you throw something off the, sto- off, off the ship that you actually need? But all this time, guess what? Jonah was knocked out. Jonah sleep because Jonah knows who the storm is. Jonah knows that it's God talking to him because he didn't do what God told him to do. That's why some people can be okay in their mess. And you're like, girl, your life is going crazy. She's okay. She doesn't want to answer God. (laughs) Chaos all over the place. Rats all over the place. Girl, ain't you scared? No, it's all right. All is well. Because sometimes we can become so comfortable with our chaos because we're too afraid to talk to God about what he told us. But all the time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. He says, hey, how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. To whose God? Your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Jonah misses an opportunity to bring his thoughts on God's plan back to God. The reason why Jonah ran away is because Jonah didn't think that God was big enough for him to tell him, God, I'm scared. We waste so much time running away from God and don't talk to him about the things that are honest. Joshua, you're going to X, Y, and Z. Do you know that God is big enough for you to take this sentence to him? God, I'm scared. God can heal us from cancer. God can fix our marriages. God can give us money out of, a, out of the mouth of a fish. But we don't trust God enough to tell him, God, I'm terrified. I, I don't know how you're going to do this. And even worse, Naomi, we think that we become discredited for being honest with God. We think that if we tell God that we're scared, that he's going to be upset. But the same God that's okay with you bringing your sin to him is okay with you bringing your emotions to him as well. Jonah misses an opportunity, and then the sailors end up connecting the storm that they're in to Jonah. And they start to figure out some things, and they start asking him questions. They start interrogating him. They start asking him, hey, bro, what did you do? Uh, Who are you? What country are you from? Uh, Bro, what is your nationality? Some of the issues in your life isn't that everything is going to uh, hell in a handbasket. Sometimes it's the newest person that was introduced to your family. Everything in your house is acting weird. Who are your children playing with? My parents used to get so upset with us. We would come home from school, and we'd be like, I don't like tomatoes. And, like, we just had spaghetti yesterday. Then they would ask this question. Which one of your friends have you been hanging out with? Sometimes the reason why God puts chaos on your life isn't to talk to you, it's to talk some things out of your life. Because as long as it's on your boat, there will always be a storm. Okay, that's another sermon for another day. Another sermon for another day. Jonah responds by telling them that he's a Hebrew and that that the God that, that he serves rules both the seas and the land. So in verse 10, the sailors were terrified. Is it okay that we read the word this morning? Okay. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. These guys don't worship the same God that Jonah does, but they know enough to know if you're running away from the God, it never works. Oh, why did you do it, they asked. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop the storm? So they all come together and they throw him off the boat. They say, hey, you worship this God. 
Our lives are a wreck because you're here. It is okay to defriend people in a season if what the life that they are walking in is creating chaos in yours. But as Christians, we try to pray to change the weather rather than just getting off the boat. And we create justification to keep stormy people in our lives and ask God to free us from the storm. And God says, it's not me, it's who you have on your boat. Where you're going, our word this year is manifest, which means it's not magic, which means that whatever you want in your life, you're going to have to do this curse word called work. But your manifestation, your prayer life with God, and the work that you were doing can all be undone if you have the wrong people in your boat headed to the wrong destination. So these guys understand this, and they take Jonah, and they throw him off the boat. But Jonah's okay with this because Jonah doesn't want to fulfill a purpose. So Jonah thinks that I'm going to be thrown in the, in the water. I'm going to drown. It's going to be over with. I can explain to God when I get up there, hey, bro, this ain't it. But once they throw him out of the boat, it clears up. And now Jonah's sitting in the water looking stupid, like, wow. And Christians, we don't want to do this. Kingdom citizens, we don't want to do this because we come equipped with this thing called pride. We jump in the water and we look at ourselves and like, oh, it wasn't that bad. It just happened this way. No, sometimes you're the toxic person in the relationship. Oh, you don't want to say amen to that, do you? Sometimes you're the gossiper. Sometimes Joshua's the one that's insecure. Sometimes Joshua's the one that's rude. Sometimes Joshua's the one that's the bully. And being thrown off of a boat in the middle of nowhere with mystical creatures and stuff, that will humble you up real quick. And the equivalent in your life, it's when you feel like you're, in, you're doing life and you're by yourself. Anybody ever been there before? All of you that are in between the ages of 16 and 21, it comes to this point in our lives, it's called smelling yourself. I'm grown. I'm going to do it alone. I'm grown. I'm going to do it alone. Then you get out there and I'm going home. I can't do it alone. I'm going home. Because being out there by yourself proves to you, I can't do this by myself. I lied to myself thinking that I could. But being by yourself is the quickest way to humble you to get on your knees and talk back to God. If you have left purpose, the only way to get back to it is having a first conversation with God. God doesn't give you an assignment, Leonard. You say no, and then you run back after everything falls apart. You go pick up the hammer. No, before you pick up the hammer, you got to go back and talk to the person that hired you. It's like you be, as anybody else in the, in the building, like, like, like you employ people. It's like somebody missing two days of work, then coming in on that third day and just getting back to work as if they are not about to have a conversation. Hold up, Bill. Wait a minute. Where you been? Because you sure didn't take the time off. You expected to get paid. So uh, 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 what are we going to do about the situation? God does the same thing. Jonah's in the water. And listen to this. This is my favorite part. Verse 17. Now the Lord. Who? Not a circumstance. I mean, I'm sorry. It's not coincidence. People think like, yeah, there was whales in that time. It was mating season in 17. No. The Lord arranged for a great fish to do what? Swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. I want you to lean into this really, really quick. Sometimes God will allow things to swallow you but not consume you. Okay. Jonah is in the belly of a fish for three days. But the enzymes on the inside of this, this fish's stomach don't consume him. God ends up taking a chaotic, scary situation 
and ends up using it as the vehicle to deliver Jonah, not to Nineveh, but back to himself. God is so good that he will disguise a storm as a jet plane. God is so good that he will use the miscarriage of the baby that you lost, and it's terrible, but he will use that to have a word in your stomach that helps other women that have lost children. God is so good that in everything that you've ever dealt with, you've been addicted to heroin for 13 years. That's awesome. But you can use that and be purposed and set 13 million people free from heroin. Like, God is so interesting because he uses the things that make no sense to make sense. It's almost like God wants to remind us that as much as you plan, I'm still God. So Jonah jumps in the water. <laughs> Let me fix that. Jonah's thrown in the water. He's sitting in the water looking stupid like a lot of us do in our lives. And he misses another opportunity to talk to God. He had a conversation. He had an opportunity to talk to him in the storm. He had, now he had an opportunity to talk to him when he was with the people. Now he's in the water. He doesn't talk to God. And now he has to get swallowed up. God's want for you to fulfill purpose won't be diminished because of your lack to follow the plan. At some point in time, God is going to get his will done in the earth. Even if you're 70 we got to stop teaching this message that, like, once I get grown or, like, I'm too old. God, listen, God, it don't matter. It doesn't matter how old you are. If God wants it to be done, he'll give you this thing called grace, and he'll give you 170 more years to fulfill what he wanted. But grace doesn't work outside of prayer. Our biggest issue as believers is that we listen intently to hear from God initially, but we fail to hear from him repeatedly. We lean in, January is coming, and you're going to get a word of the year. And it doesn't matter what the word is. Everybody gets on fire. It's going to be chicken nuggets. Oh, chicken nuggets. I'm ready. This is going to be a chicken nugget year. Yes, indeed. You go buy chicken nuggets from Wendy's. You go get chicken nuggets from Walmart, Tyson. You go get them from Chick-fil-A. Like, you get them from everywhere. And then you just look at them. March, God said we won't have chicken nuggets. There they are. And they're getting moldy. The purpose that God gave you doesn't do the work when you tell people about it. God told me X, Y, and Z. That's not how purpose works. Some people would say, and I think this was Apostle Tupac, it says get to work because uh, money, uh, what, what, what does he say? Because uh, a scared money don't make none. Same way that your purpose doesn't work unless you do. Look at your neighbor and say, your purpose doesn't work unless you do. Jonah 2 and 1 through 10 is really interesting. It says, then jo Jonah prayed. <laughs> We're literally 110 lines in this verse. He's been asked to go to Nineveh. He's on the ship. The storm comes. He gets thrown in the water. And now he prays. How many of you, that's you? God gave you the purpose. You jumped into the relationship. You did the whole sneaky link thing. That's a new age term. Then you end up figuring out that you have, um, you have uh, caught feelings with this person. And now that you figure out that he or she is crazy, now you pray, God, if you get me out of this one. I tried to talk to you. No, you didn't. No, I made sure that your internet went down at 10 p.m. last night. Oh, that was you? Yeah. That, that was me. I want you to write this down. God speaks through what you're in the middle of. Verse 2 through 9 are really irrelevant because Jonah tries to pray to God, but he misses the point. Jonah's prayer starts with he doesn't apologize to God. Uh, he doesn't take ownership for why he's in the belly of the whale, and he literally blames God in his prayer. But then around the verse 9, Jonah finally gets the point. 
Jonah ends up saying, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all of my vows, for my salvation comes from who? The Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out unto the beach. Another way that God speaks to you isn't by verbally responding to you. Sometimes we go and we talk to God and we're looking for God to say, yeah, that's what it is. Go for it. Or we're looking for him to give us the ABCs and the one, two, threes of how to move. But how many of you guys know that sometimes God talks to you by introducing you to somebody that's going to help you? Sometimes God talks to you by introducing you to an opportunity that's going to cause you to be uh, humble. But if we wait all of our lives waiting for God to come on a fiery chariot to talk to us, we can miss some great opportunities. But I will offer sacrifices is what, is what Jonah says. And then Jonah 3, it says this. It says, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. He says, get up and go uh, to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. It's interesting that even though Jonah has been running away from God, he, his, 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 his message to him didn't change. But this is what we think. We think because God told us 10 years ago to do something that we come back 10 years around like, all right, God, I'm ready for step number two. And God's like, oh, yeah, go back to step one. My word hasn't changed. Well, God, you know that person uh, that I was in a quarrel with, well, they passed away. I went to the funeral. That's, that's okay, but you still need to apologize. God will use the ridiculous things in our lives to prove how amazing and great he is. Can somebody say amen? amen. This time, though, what does Jonah do? Jonah obeys. Because sometimes the reason why it's so bad in the belly of the well is to remind you you never want to go back. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. That's all he says. He doesn't tell them why. He doesn't tell them how. He fulfills the purpose of God, but he does it with an attitude. It matters how you do it, not what you're doing. There's a difference between cleaning the dishes because my wife has asked me and making sure I make a whole bunch of noise so, we, so, so she hears how frustrated I am. It doesn't make the dishes any more clean, but it destroys the relationship between me and her. The way in which you do what God has told you talks to him. Prayer isn't just when you ask God about things. You're praying as you're fulfilling what he told you to do. When he asks you to walk to somebody and, and, and to talk to them about, like, his presence or to lead somebody in a small group, which is absolutely awesome. Wednesday nights are a lot of fun. Like, it's the way in which you do it. There's another thing to say, hey, you know what? You should learn about the grace of God. And being like, learn about the grace of God. It's different. Same message, but it's the, somebody say the how. The king of Nineveh ends up hearing Jonah and goes into a complete obedience. He steps down from his throne. He disrobes. He puts on a burlap sack. For those of you that don't know, that's what you put potatoes in. He sits on a, a, a pile of ash, and then he tells the entire city that they're going on a fast. I don't know about you, but we agree. Uh, there are some people in this church, I won't name them, but when God speaks to them, he spoke to the family. And they'll tell their family, we ain't eating for a week. Hold up. God talked to you. He didn't talk to And they'd be sneaking peanut butter jelly sandwich in the bed, you know. <laughs> the entire city. Somebody say the entire city. The entire city fasts. No food and nor drink for three days. Even the animals. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, God changes his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had already threatened them with. God's words for others can sometimes be held up by you. 
Sometimes forgiving the person in your family that did you wrong has nothing to do with you feeling good about it. Sometimes your apology to somebody is what they need to realize that God actually is, he actually exists. Sometimes you're going out of your way with a coworker. How many of you guys have a coworker that thinks that they're the manager? How long is your lunch? Susan, we're both associates. You know, you can't eat, you can't, you can't eat, like, you, need, you can't be eating no fish when you, when you, when you uh, put it in the microwave, it smells. It's like you had a tuna sandwich yesterday and sushi the next day. Sometimes it's the way in which you speak to people that actually demonstrates who God is. I want to make sure we understand something. How many of you know God in the building? The people that don't know God in your family, guess what? They know that you know God. People that don't know God are not stupid. So they understand that we know a person that gives us stuff to bring to people. Do you know that the way in which you argue with them, they take that as how God talks to you? How quickly it takes you to get over your grudge talks to them about what it means to serve your God. Joshua knows God, but every time we get in trouble, he, he never apologizes when he's wrong. So if people are not going to meet God face to face, they're going to meet him through you and me. So Jonah almost destroyed an entire city because he didn't follow what God said. Some of you have been given a word for your family and you're too afraid to share it with them. And your family could be destroyed because you don't have faith enough to believe that what God told you he was going to do, he's going to do it, but he's also going to do it through you. So this is the thing I really want to make sure that we all understand here in the building. When God has given you something, he actually believes that you can get it done. The one thing that breaks God's heart the most, in my opinion, this is just Joshua's opinion, because somebody say Joshua's opinion. I don't have any scripture to follow this, it's just me. I think the thing that breaks God's heart the most is when he sees us in heaven too early before we finish what he gave us. I think it breaks his heart. I think it hurts his heart when he sees a father that comes to heaven. And yes, you come to heaven, but you never had the opportunity to reconcile with your family on earth. I think, I think it hurts him. I think it frustrates him. In that same way, God tells Jonah, had you been a day late, Had you been a day late, had you stayed on the boat, I would have had to destroy the city because your purpose was to save it. Sometimes the reason why the business went under is because we left our assignment too early because the conditions were undesirable. I'm not feeling it. My boss is getting on my back. Yeah, because you're strong enough. When God gives you something that you think is too heavy, it's because he knows that you can carry it. I have a workout plan right now, Ms. Bohannon. And I absolutely hate it because the person, Jeremy, I said his name, the person who has all this stuff on the list, I know in my brain I can't do it. But it's funny. He watches me enough to know what I can do, even though I don't think it. God knows how strong you are before he gives you the word that comes from him. So if the business is scary, you're actually going in the right direction. If your family is falling all over the place and people think like, yeah, don't touch to them, they're toxic, you might actually be in the right place. Because it doesn't matter how smelly the fish is, the question is, is that once the fish's mouth opens up, the miracle is that you've made it out. There are some things that your family has walked through that people talked about you, they gossiped to you, but God gave you a word, and that was the only thing that carried you through. There are a couple of things in your life that people said that it's not going to work out, they threw you away, they said it's never going to happen, you got divorced, you can't talk to her anymore. And because of who God is, the word that he gave you might have been the only thing that you had to cling on to. 
The reason why prayer is so important, I feel like I am working so hard. The reason why prayer is so important is because sometimes it's the only safe place that you can talk to God with no other ears. Jonah has four different opportunities to talk to God. And the one opportunity he gets to pray to God, he brings to him things that are unimportant. If I was in the belly of a whale, I don't know about you, I wouldn't be talking to God about like how you put me in the belly of the whale. No, I'd be like, Lord, get me out of this. Whatever it is, if you need me to stop eating meat and go vegan, it's going to be tough. But I'll do it. Somewhere along the line, we thought that God was mighty to save, but he wasn't mighty to listen to our honesty. Some people that are watching online or here in the room, you have a child that's dealing with a mental disorder. ADHD or, or, they, or some, some, some children, unfortunately, some are schizophrenic or, or some of them are on, are on the spectrum and autism. And you've never told God that it's hard. We keep asking God for strength, but we never say, God, I don't know what to do today. I don't feel like momming today because mom, being a mom is a verb. Amen. Being a dad is a verb. It's not just who you are. It's what you do. Look at your neighbor and say, be honest. God, this is tough. God, God, God this, this isn't it. Because the coolest thing about God is that God knew that where you are, you would get here. Because where you are right now in your life is proof that you need to talk to God. What kept Jonah from Nineveh is the same things that keeps us from purpose. Pride. Selfishness. Laziness. Sometimes what God tells us to do, you know it's like a 10-step process, and you'd be like, bro, that's, that's too much. Like, I don't, I don't want to go to the gym every, every day, twice a day, and 10,000 steps. Like, doesn't this man know that I have a wife? But the question is, what's more important, your goals or your wants? Jonah 4, and this, I, I, I want to stay here just for two seconds. Is that okay? Here we go. Jonah 4, 1 through 10. Jonah sees God be gracious toward the Ninevites. And Jonah gets prideful. This is something that we don't really talk about in our faith. But I've seen it before where somebody has been praying for a friend to come to Christ, a girlfriend, a guy friend. The person comes to Christ, no longer needs them in the way that they did before. And the person gets upset. I'm praying for a friend to come to know God, and I'm praying, and I'm tarrying, and I'm coming to all the watch night services, and I'm praying, and then my friend Jim gets uh, saved, and now I'm jealous because now Jim needs God more than he needs me. I felt holier than thou, which is self-righteousness, which is also a sin. We talk about addiction, and we talk about all these other sins, but thinking too highly of yourself is a sin, okay, just so that you know. And we can literally hold up other people's introduction to God because we know once they get well with God, we're going to have to do the work to change our mindset towards them. I was talking with my wife, and she works um, in, in, in children's med uh, medicine, and she's explained to me that one of the hardest things is not watching parents lose their kids. One of the hardest things is parents whose children get healed, and now their children don't need them in the way that they needed them before. It does something. You don't need me to give you your medication. You don't need me to walk with you. And in the time that they were caring for the child for so long, 
Now they don't even know what their favorite color is. They, they, they don't know what their favorite movie is anymore because they've been, now it becomes this thing, I didn't necessarily want to take care of the kid. I was self-glorifying who I was to the child. If the only reason why you knew God was to keep him to yourself, we're failing. Jonah gets upset. I want you to hear this. If you don't hear anything that I've said all day, Jonah gets upset with God that he's gracious towards other people after he was gracious towards him. Jonah gets upset with God for forgiving the Ninevites when God just got done forgiving him. If this is not religious Christianity, I don't know what is. God's grace is good enough to help you with your addiction, but somebody else with a sin on our Richter scale. Sin is not on a scale, but we do this thing. Well, at least I'm not. Well, at least I didn't. And we will take the same God that we're supposed to give freely to people and withhold him from people because we don't want them to have freedom in Christ because we don't know how to be friendly with other people that are free. Now ask yourself a question. Are all of your friends in bondage except for you? Are all of your friends broken except for you? Are you the only married one in all of your girlfriend's group just so that you can brag about the man you got? This is the real issue with Jonah. And this is the perspective I wanted, to, I wanted to bring to you. Jonah running away from the calling makes, makes sense. How many of you guys have ever run away from what God said? Yeah, we all do it. Cool. Jonah gets prideful. He jumps in the water. We all get prideful. Cool. But one of the worst things that we can do in our kingdom life is withhold a God of freedom to people because we don't know how to play with other people in the sandbox. If you're the person in the sandbox making all of the rules, you can have a God complex. Jonah heard the purpose from God, and he took it upon himself to think that he was more powerful than what, than what he was. Jonah ends up talking to God, and this is so good. This change of plans greatly did what? It upset Jonah, and he became very angry. And Jonah begins complaining to God. He, he didn't want to go uh, because he knew that God would be gracious and show unfailing love to these people. Jonah says to God, just kill me. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. And that's us in our lives. God gives us something, and we think because it didn't play out how we saw it in our head that he's not good. But God doesn't care about our predictions. He cares about how he wants it to happen. What do you do when the directions from God send you to unpredicted results? What do you do when God asks you to forgive somebody? that said something absolutely off the wall to you. What do you do? Thanksgiving is coming up and some people will have actual anxiety attacks because they don't want to go back to mama house. What do you do when God gives you an assignment to go in the middle of chaos at the Thanksgiving table and have peace, to hold your tongue, to not say anything? This, this is so amazing to me. He says, just kill me. But then God says, the Lord says in verse four, is it right for you to be angry about this? Sometimes God's response to you isn't yes, no, go. Sometimes God's response to us is a deeper question than the one that we asked. God, I'm angry. God says, yeah, I get it. You're angry, you're frustrated. But I have a question for you. Is your anger correct? The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah goes outside of the city that he just was used to save to make shelter to see what, what would happen. God provides shade for Jonah through a plant with huge leaves. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm 
ate through the stem of the plant so that it would wither, so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God did what? He arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Again, death is certainly better than living like this. That's a lot of us in our lives sometimes. Verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, is it right? Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Jonah says, yes, even angry enough to die. I want you to underline this part in your Bible. Verse 10. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all of the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Sometimes God speaks to us through our emotions. The purpose that God has on my life, I'll speak, I'll speak to myself. The purpose that God has on my life has to work through my emotion of pride. The purpose that God has on my life has to work through my emotion of frustration. I don't know why we think that when we tell God that we're frustrated that he's just going to ease the load. Most of the time he just sends us more resources to deal with our emotions and to carry the heavy load. So if this whole conversation about talking to God is important, there are four things that you need to know about how to talk to God. Jonah missed every opportunity to talk to God, and every time he did talk to God, he was complaining about the assignment that he was given. And purpose is not fulfilled through complaining. Purpose is fulfilled through supplication. Supplication is literally when you take what is happening to you in your life in public, you learn how to articulate it to God in private. Prayer is so important that it's literally the root to every answer that you need in your life. The answer to your issue is not more money or more people. The answer is talking to God, and it's that simple. Maybe that's the reason why it's so tough to talk about prayer, because it's so simple, and we're looking for something crazy so that when we do it, we can say, look what I did. But in everything in your life, it's all about who God is and not who we are. Here are the four steps of how you talk to God. Very simple. Number one is that you have to find the posture. Well, shouldn't I find God's presence first? If you walk into God's presence wrong, he ain't going to hear you. So this is the reason why we kneel when we pray sometimes. This is the reason why in worship, when you're like some people lay on the floor. This is the reason why some of us lift our hands up. Because in this entire story with Jonah, not one time did he fix his posture to surrender to God. He fought God through the entire story. Not once did he say, God, you know what? Your will be done. If you want to use me, you can. And for some of us, how many of you have ever dealt with this thing called pride where it's hard for you to trust God and you try to do it in your own strength? After you find your presence, you, can somebody say establish uh, presence? Finding posture, establish presence. First, you have to realize that God never stopped speaking. We just left out, of, we left out of the earshot to hear him. Remember how I was talking about earlier? How many of you guys, you are that person when you talk and you just go from room to room and you do this? God hasn't stopped speaking. For some of us, we left the room that he's speaking in. The reason why we come to Christ and Jesus is amazing and he's awesome and he's the way, the truth, and the light that's awesome and blood and the cross is a great. But the point of going to Jesus is to get into God's presence so that he can talk to you about your life. Once you find his presence, you're supposed to make it practical. Prayer doesn't have to be super difficult. 
How many of you guys, how many of you guys have ever heard somebody pray and you get intimidated? You hear somebody pray and they're like, all right, Josh, you pray. Um, and you start looking for really simple, God, we thank you for this towel and the thread in it. But God is not impressed by what you say. He's impressed by your heart posture when you pray. And then this is the biggest part, is that after you, once you find your posture, once you find his presence, once you make it practical, now you're supposed to create a pattern. What if we created a pattern of talking to God at every instance that we didn't know what was going on? Whenever God gives us something, instead of saying, I don't know how I'm going to make this work. I don't know how I'm going to make this happen. What if we actually went to God? God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but can you reveal it to me? And if he doesn't give you what you think you need on that day, guess what? You can pray anytime. Prayer doesn't just come as our last resort. It's our first response. The reason why this organization lives is because of the fact that we have people at this church who have literally dedicated their lives to this vision through prayer. I, I want to make sure you understand this. There's a team that Pastor Linnell has le led literally for, since forever with people that are praying for your family in the situation that you're going through, and you've never had a conversation with them. They take what you're dealing with back to God. But I want to live in a world where I can talk to God for myself. I want you to write this down. This is the last thing. The point of talking to God isn't to be answered. The point of talking to God is to be directed. In a lot of our lives, and I know for me personally, there are a lot of areas in my life where working with, my, with, with uh, our pastors, working with the staff, um, if, you, if you own a business, if you're, if you're a parent, you run into a lot of issues and you run into a lot of situations. And usually when you see those situations, you try to bring your energy to it. You try to bring a strategy. Anybody else like that? Like, I'll, I can create a template for anything. I can create a write-up for anything. But then the Holy Spirit always comes to me and he always asks, like, why didn't you just ask me? And I think the biggest thing that I want to make sure that everybody understands this morning is this. God is God. God is good. God is holy. God is king. God reigns. But God really wants you to talk to him. Like really wants you to talk to him. And he doesn't want it to sound like me. He doesn't want it to sound like your neighbor. Guess who he wants it to sound like? You. Quick story. I remember we went, <laughs> we went to like this inner city mission and this guy was praying. Uh, we, I'm sorry, we, uh, an older guy by the name of Leron Henderson. Anybody know Leron? We were downtown on 24th and St. Mary's. And at this time, as a kid, you don't know what's going on in downtown, but there's some stuff going on. And in our youth group on Wednesday nights, he would give each and every one of us $10. Anybody remember that? He would give us $10 and he would say like, go out in the city and make a difference. And that was our Bible study. So we would go and like give people money for groceries. We would go and like knock on doors. And at one point in time, we were in this group of people and um, this guy, like, he's, he smelled like the bar. He didn't smell like he went. He smelled like you brought the whole thing with you. <laughs> and we're standing there with Leron, and we're holding hands, and we start praying for this guy, and this guy starts praying. And he's, like, hiccuping and burping, and every other word out of his mouth was a curse word. Like, God, we just, man, I just want to beep and thank you. Man, you're so beeping great. And I'm like... And I think I have context for that conversation when I was 12. I think that God heard him even more than me because he was honest. God is good. God is holy. 
God is speaking. That's great. But my question to you today is when was the last time you had a sincere conversation with God?